Okay. Well, we are continuing in our study of the ancient church. Um, I don't know about you guys, but this has been fascinating just to look at the, the church history. We, 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 we get so lost in our, and we forget where we've come from and all the things that we've, we've, we've neglected to study. Uh, even though I'm just doing introductory material, which uh, um, has been a challenge for me, I'll be honest. You know, what do I put in? What do I take out? What do I... Um, yeah. Today, um, well, last week we talked about the persecution of the church and uh, through the time of Constantine. And when I first started speaking about church history, I said I'm going to try to keep that where we're jumping back and forth in time to a minimum. Well, this is one of those times we're going to have to go backwards. So, yes, we were in the time of Constantine, but today we're going to be talking about the quest for sound doctrine. So we're going to have to go backwards in time from where we were uh, with Constantine in the 300s back to the 150 or so, so that we can talk about some development during the time of persecution. Um, Because not only did the... Christians of the third, uh, second and third century have to fight to preserve their existence in the face of the Roman state to abolish it, which is really what we talked about last, uh, last week. <clears throat> the church also had to uh, fight to preserve the purity of the doctrine of the church from within the church. And this is something we see in the book of Acts and Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians. And, you know, the, 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 you have to preserve the teaching. Um, converts to the Christian faith have either come from Jewish backgrounds. And so they're bringing all the Jewish backgrounds into Christianity. Um, which you would expect. And you remember you have like the Council of uh, Jerusalem in, in Acts chapter 15 that talks about some of those issues that have arisen because they're coming from the Jewish background. But you've also got um, these Gentiles coming in, especially from Greek uh, philosophical way of thinking. They, they think differently. The Eastern and the Western world think differently, approach the world differently, still do today. And so you have this Greek philosophy way of thinking entering the church and and how you deal with some of the ways they're going to be thinking and these ways that are coming into the church. You know, they're going to carry, it's natural that they're going to carry some of these old um, philosophies in with them as they become converts. I mean, think about. I right, know so some of you were were so young when you accepted Christ, or you grew up in the church, or whatever that you don't, you didn't go through this. But some of you were older when you, uh, you know, already had ways of thinking and philosophies, and, and and when you came to Christ, and you inevitably carried some of that way of thinking in with you. Some of you 
even came from like other religions. And then how was the challenge to not carry some of that in with you as well? Because it's part of your very essence of your thinking, right? And so how do you deal with this issue? Um, so, so you have... Um, You have that, you have like people that want to make intellectually respectable uh, cases, you want to just have philosophical versions of Christianity, you want to have just religious or, you know, or, 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 uh, or work-based, all these things are starting to mix into the church and they have to, how do we do healthy doctrine? What do we, how do we determine what's right and wrong? This is something that we're going to see. We're going to study this some here, and then we'll talk about something else, and we'll come back to this. This, will, this idea will keep coming up throughout church history as we wrestle with what is right and, uh, um, and how do we believe. And many of our, you know, we say we're soul scriptura or whatever, but a lot of the ways we interpret the Bible come from these arguments. Um, that will be here and then later on, which we'll talk about. Um, you know, as new schisms and skeps and, and sects come about. So um, I guess the first place to talk about is legalistic, what we call heresies. What's a heresy? I know you guys have heard the term. What's a heresy? Okay, there you go. It would, it would, heresy could be anything that would contradict the, um, the given uh, belief. So whether a heresy, a Christian heresy, would be something that contradicts the Christian belief system. And you could say it was a Roman heresy, so it would contradict the Roman belief system. In this case, we're talking about things that went up against the, the accepted Christian belief system. This would be a legal, when we say legalistic, legalistic means, uh, you know, more of a work-based religion, a work-based salvation. And you would think, like, after the Jerusalem Council, when they said that uh, Gentiles were free from ceremonial and ritualistic demands of Jewish life, that that would be kind of the end of this, but it's not. This kind of thinking is going to be something that's going to come back and come back and come back. Even today, we have the same kind of legalistic heresies that pop up from time to time. What do you have to do on top of your salvation? What do you have to do, you know, uh, to be saved? Or in order to be a Christian? Um, Uh, a lot of these legalistic heresies um, pop up because of, well, a lot of, because of Judaism. You know, Judaism does have a lot of, even though if you read the Old Testament, it's a grace-based salvation. 
but that doesn't mean that people didn't try to be works-based. And as they became work-based, they tried to carry that into the Christian faith as well. Well, you have to be circumcised, otherwise you're not a Christian. You have to be, you know, be a Jew first, otherwise you're not a Christian. Or you have to do certain things. You have to, you know, if you're not, you know, if you weren't baptized in this certain way, then you're not a Christian. If you're not, you know, um, these... Um, these kind of things, and we think, that, you know, sometimes we treat them like they're new now, but these things have been going around since the beginning, and they never really went away. We still have some of those same fights even today. What does it look like to be a Christian? What do you have to do? Um, there was also a group of... Ebonites that um, thought uh, that that really that thought the well they emphasized that um, the unity of God and His creatorship in the universe, and they believed that the Jewish law was the highest expression of His will and is binding on man, and um, so you had to go through the Jewish lifestyle. Um, and so, but a lot of these uh, legalistics tended to die out about the time the Romans destroyed uh, Jerusalem. Though it's still something that does um, pop up. But a more, uh, I guess a more dangerous threat because the New Testament is was dealing with the Jews to begin with. You know, Paul was dealing with the Jews. Peter was dealing with the Jews. So we have a lot of ba- uh, backing when we talk about these legalistic ones. What they weren't dealing with was, you know, as much of anyways, was these Greek philosophies because they weren't, they just, that's, you know, that comes around after they were there. Um, and many more um, philosoph- um, Greeks become Christians than, than just Jews. So you have this whole new way of thinking that's being entered into. One of the major ones, I'm only going to talk about a couple of them, and actually we may spend most of the time today on Gnosticism. Now, who has heard of Gnosticism before? Well, if you've listened to me, you've heard of it. You may not know what it is, but you've heard <laughs> uh, Gnosticism, um, prevalent even today. Um, never died away, and actually was before Judaism. Um, the word Gnosticism. Um, I quote, the strange, obscure moment, partly intellectual, partly fan, uh, fantastical, in the second century spread with swiftness of an epidemic over the church from Syria to Gaul. Um, Gnosticism spread across the, um, the Christian faith. Um, it is probably, well, at its peak, it was considered the 
greatest philosophical threat to Christianity. And it reached its peak about 150 AD, AD 150. Like I said, we're going back in time a bit. Um, its roots reach back into the New Testament. Paul seems to have been in uh, fighting at least a, a form of it when his letter of Colossians. Um, it is a religion that is all about syncretism. That's a big word. Syncretism. I've used it before. Who remembers what it means? So it's similar, yeah, almost there. Remember what it means to sync your computer to something else, or you sync your phone to your or your calendar. You sync your calendars. They, they match up. They join together. They blend. Blend. That's a good word. Blend. And so you, it, Gnosticism is all about blending other religions together. Um, with the esoteric teachings or secret teachings. Um, and we think, we, we have secret organizations today. Uh, I'm not talking about the Illuminati. I'm talking about things that are very real, like the Knights Templars and the Shriners, the Freemasons. All these have the secret aspects of it, though. Um, none of them would claim to be Gnostic. Um, but they have that secret element. Um, but if you, um, but it does influence. I mean, Mormonism and Jehovah Witness um, both have the, the the smack of Gnosticism. Um, let's talk about what it is. Uh, because it was so important. Gnosticism, uh, Greek name. Uh, Gnosis means knowledge or insight or enlightenment. It's a philosophical and religious movement that involves the rational or experiential knowledge of God and divine spiritual nature within us. The secret knowledge about God, humanity, and the rest of the universe, which general populations are unaware, it always has this secret knowledge element to it. You have to have the secret knowledge. Only those. So if you ever heard someone like, well, if, you, if you, you can't understand it unless you're part of the group, that's Gnosticism. I've even heard Christians say, well, you can't really understand the Bible until you are a Christian. That's Gnostic way of thinking. Uh, the Bible itself never claims that. The Bible says if you study it and meditate on it, you can learn it. You may not even believe in it, but you can learn it. I know atheists who know the Bible better than I do. <laughs> um, but um, they have this secret knowledge. Um... According to Irenaeus, which we, we, did we talk about Irenaeus? We did, didn't we? We mentioned him, didn't we? I think we did. Irenaeus, in his Against Heresies, he 
begins the Gnostic controversy um, with si- excuse me, with Simon the Magus back in Acts chapter eight. Do you remember him? Simon the Magus or the Magi, Magi who wanted the, the power for himself. So Irenaeus says that he's the one who started the uh, Christian Gnosticism. Um, though Gnosticism has been around as far back as I can find religion. Uh, there are forms of Gnosticism that aren't Christian Gnosticism, but there are forms of of Jewish Gnosticism, there's from Babylonian or Canaanite Mesopotamian Gnosticism, um, Egyptian Gnosticism. Any kind of time you find this this group popping up about the secret knowledge, it's a Gnostic group. But we're not going to focus on. We're going to focus on the. Um, you know, we really can't say the origins, but we can say that it's it's uh, where we can focus in on Christian Gnosticism. The the group of secret knowledge that has synced with Christianity. Um, Gnosticism, I guess, in its current form, sprang from the uh, natural human desire to to explain um, the origins of evil. And um, it becomes the, uh, associated with, and, and, and their way of thinking, the modern Christian, it became associated with anything that was matter was evil. Uh, and so it creates a philosophical system which God is spirit and would be free from the association of evil which was man and any kind of human tendency. Um, and they do this, this Gnosticism does this by seeking Christianity with Greek philosophy. Um, it's, when I say what, are, what do they believe, it's actually hard to track down what they believe because it's so varied. It's just like saying, what do Christians believe? Well, we can have some basic tendencies, but if I say, what do Christians believe about baptism? Well, I believe on which group of which Christian group of Christians you are, right? I mean, you've got children baptism and adult baptism, believers baptism, and pouring and sprinkling and immersion, and uh, you know, what if you have no water? And you know, and uh, is there a special you know living water versus you know living water means running water? Uh, living water versus dead water, and you know, and uh, stagnant water. You know, with all these things, and it depends on which group you're part of and where you come from and how, what you believe about these things. And uh, and so it's hard to to, to just narrow it down. And and, and Gnosticism is kind of like that. It, you say, what do you believe about? And it's like, well, that kind of depends on exactly what time period you're from, where you're from. What group of Christianity you're associated with? You know, are you part of the 
you know, the, the church of Syria versus the church of Antioch versus the, you know, so it, it does, it does, it does uh, vary. Um, there was a, in 19, I'm going to look at the date, 1946, there was an Egyptian discovery of about a thousand pages long. Uh, it was about the Egyptian and Syrian Gnosticism, um, and it gives us some idea of their 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 belief system. Um, Um, excuse me. Um, um, they believe, I guess, as we we talk, and remember, we're focusing in on Christian Gnosticism, not Jewish Gnosticism or Egyptian Gnosticism. We're just focusing on Christian. They believe that. Only to truly understand the message of Christ, um, and you have to be a Gnostic. You have to be part of the secret group. Uh, normal people can't do that. Um, and if you're outside of the group, then you've misunderstood Jesus' message and saying, because you, you don't know the secret knowledge. Uh, which really isn't that uncommon in a lot of groups. Um, knowledge to them was not an intellectual exercise. It was um, it was not a passive understanding of some aspect. Rather, knowledge is a uh, a redeeming and liberating function that helped the individual break free from the bondage of the world. Um, deity. Supreme fa- they believe in the supreme father God or the supreme God of truth who is remote from human affairs, unknowable and un. Uh, undetectable uh, by human sis, uh, senses it means we can't detect him um, he's we, in our, our way of thinking you might have heard it as a deist anyone heard of what a deist is like uh, George Washington it was a deist they believe that God put things in motion and just kind of let things happen that was the George Washington was Episcopal, and that was the common teaching of the Episcopal Church at the time of the Revolution. So, um, he would have been a deist. But the idea is that God put things in happen. He's not involved directly in mankind. He put things in happen and let it go. And uh, so most, uh, so Nassim tend to be deist. Um, Gnostics, uh, God... Um, I'm going to use a weird word here. He, she, uh, she or he, because it's without gender, so you can refer to it either way, created a series of supernatural but finite being called uh, aeons. A-E-O. 
A-E-O-N-S, aeons. And um, around, around a 30 of them, according to their teachings. And these beings are ideal, um, are, they, are, um, they are truth. Um, they are wisdom. such as um, Sophia, which is the Greek word for wisdom. Sophia, in their way of teaching, is a virgin of the supreme female principle, worshipped as Athena in Greece, and other goddess of wisdom. Uh, she is an aeon who gives birth to a defective and inferior created known as the Demiurge. Now, the Demiurge, according to the Gnostic faith, uh, which means public uh, craftsman in Greek, um, sometimes called Yaladaboth, uh, meaning uh, begetter of heavens in Aramaic. Um, this is the Yahweh of the Old Testament in our tradition. So, Already we've got a big change from what we believe in the Bible, right? You believe that the Demiurge is this inferior created God. So the Bible, the, the God of the Old Testament is an inferior God according to their teaching. Try to get this straight through, okay? So you got the Demiurge who's created being, and that's the God of the Old Testament. Um, he is portrayed as the creator of earth and its life forms. And therefore, because he is evil, the, the, his creation is fundamental evils. Therefore, all material thing is evil. Mankind, tabletop, trees, it's all, it's all fundamentally evil because it's created by a lesser, inferior being. Um, this being lacks compassion and is prone to genocide. We see this type of thinking pop up from time to time here in the United States even. Uh, I saw it on YouTube the other day. Uh, when they talk about God of the Old Testament and God of the Jesus, and Jesus being two separate gods, Jesus being a, a, a different God than the God of the Old Testament, uh, because all the God of the Old Testament is evil and, and Jesus is good, this is coming from a Gnostic belief. Whether they realize it or not, it's coming from Gnostic beliefs. Um, because in, they read the Old Testament, they say, well, the God of the Old Testament, he's prone to, he, he doesn't have compassion, he's prone to genocide, he's, he's you know, evil. The Dermy Urge uh, thinks he's supreme and is, he's prideful and... Um, and is the and his uh, incompetency results in the world we know it, and is um, and um, and and why we're blind and incompetent, and why man is in the sorry state it is because of the demiurge. Um, They believe in a duality of spirit and body. Let me explain that. 
Spirit, according to their faith, is divine in origin and good. Body is inherently earthbound and evil. Remember, created by the demiurge. Spirit is good. Demiurge creation is bad. This is possibly in combining Plato's teaching with the Old Testament uh, through a name, man named Philo, which is a teacher. Um, there develops a sharp line between God and the material world. Thus, God or Jesus could not have been... So Jesus didn't come in the flesh, according to the way of thinking. He was just spirit. Because if he would have come in the flesh, he would have been evil. Uh, flesh is bad. Uh, this teaches that wisdom in chapter 8 of Proverbs or logos in, in uh, the word in the gospels are the same. And logos, logos um, is the firstborn of God and is the chief of angels. Halogos, anarche halogos, in beginning the word. Uh, was how John 1 begins. Um, and it's the, the halogos, the, logo, the logos is the first created and the, the chief of all the angles. And the logos became Jesus, was God and is God. Um, and it, and um, so... The Gnostics were and are hostile to the physical world. And, and Christian Gnostic, that means um, your body and your spirit are in constant warfare with each other. Um, like light and darkness. Um, you know, thus Gnosticism tends to be a dualistic religion meaning two religion, um, um, God versus the devil, um, spirit versus material, very dualistic. Um, the Bible doesn't even teach about that. The Bible doesn't, you know, the Bible uses things like light and dark, good and evil, spirit and matter. Um, but, and I see dualistic thinking in, Christian way of thought, but the Bible doesn't talk about that. The Bible doesn't talk like God versus the devil. Um, the devil is against us, not God. Uh, light is the absence, darkness is the absence of light, not in a cosmic battle against each other. Um, God is unequal, you know. Light is not at war with the darkness. This is the Christian way of thinking, but uh, but they have this very dualistic way of thinking. For everything, there has to be a, something opposing it, and we see this kind of thinking even today in a lot of people. A lot of way we we look at the world, you know. Um, salvation. Um, a person obtains salvation by learning the secret knowledge of their spiritual essence. And as I say this, I can think of many religious groups, Christian branches, that still practice this kind of thinking. Um, whether they be uh, groups like the FLDS or the... Uh, the uh, you know, the Jehovah Witness that have, have more of this kind of thinking, the 
uh, but you know other other groups like uh, what we call cults. I'm not a big fan of the term cults, but um, but we would call cults in our today society uh, have a lot of this kind of thinking. You know, you have to be part of the secret knowledge to obtain salvation. Um, they're the true, you know, like the um, what was that one I was reading about? The 12 Tribes Church. Still going on today. Anyways, they're the true believers, and they, pra- they have Hebrew names, and they practice, and um, they have their, their, their locations around college towns. Um, what was that restaurant that they own? Yellow Tulip or Yellow? I remember it had yellow something in it. Anyways, um, that's me reading too much. Um, Anyways, you had the opportunity to escape the, from the prison of their bodies at death, and the soul can be assumed and reunited by the supreme God at the time of death. Um, humanity is divided up into three different groups. There's spiritual, those who would be saved through introspective of the behavior while on earth, the soulish which will be saved if they would follow the Gnostic path, and then the carnal, those who are hopelessly lost and will never be saved. Um, Evil. Let's let's talk about evil. Um, The world itself is is evil all the time. Um, It's not fallen, it is evil. We talk about the world being fallen because of our choices or because of Adam and Eve's choice or whatever, you know, how you want to put it. They don't believe that. It's just fallen because it is evil. Uh, it's not fallen. It is evil because it was created by the Demiurge and inferior God. And actually the hero, and they, they, they follow it. Like I said, it is a Christian. They do use Christianity. So if you read Genesis, the beginning of Genesis, you have this snake figure, Right? Um, who um, says if you eat of this fruit you're going to have this knowledge of good and evil, right? And uh, so they actually uh, see the snake not as a seducer um, who led it into sinful desire, but a liberator who brought knowledge to Adam and Eve. Remember, they're about secret knowledge. So the snake itself is a knowledge bringer. So the snake is the hero in the story. And the Demiurge punishes them and punishes the snake because they were going up against the Demiurge and learning the secret knowledge. Uh, because the, the tree was allowing them to, we say that you become less than, I, I teach you become less than human because of our sin. They say that you were becoming fully human because of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, in, um, before reaching its full development, Gnosticism uh, was actually represented by the Ophite sects or system. Um, they were named Ophites because of the Ophis, which is the serpent symbol. Um, that, that they, which became the, the symbol of intelli- intelligence. 
and they held that the creator of the world was ignorant, imperfect, son of chaos, and was um, and and it was the Ophis, the bringer of knowledge, that was the hero. Um, the Ophite people uh, group we see we see some of these in the Canaanite religions. Um, But um, but we would see, but as they read through the scriptures, often we hear, see as the, the person who failed, they see as the hero, like Cain. He's the hero. Um, Korah, remember Korah who went up against Moses? He's the hero. Uh, Esau, he's the hero. Uh, because he questioned and, and went up against the demiarch. Uh, Christ, let's talk about Christ. Christ is seen as the redeemer or revealer, liberator, uh, rather than savior or judge. His purpose was to spread knowledge that would free individuals from the demiarch's control and allow them to return to their spiritual home with the supreme God at death. Um, some Gnostics promote what's called docetism. That's D-O-C-E-T-I-S-M, docetism. Uh, the belief that Christ was pure spirit and only had a phantom body because he couldn't be flesh. He had to have a phantom body, uh, the physical evil. And therefore, the true embassy of supreme God could not have overcome by the evil of the world is suffered to die, therefore he only had a phantom body. He never really died. He was a spirit. Um, the universe. Gnosticism. Um, the cosmos is the center of the universe and uh, is composed of the world that we know it and is the underworld is surrounded by air and by seven uh, cons, uh, seven spheres um, each uh, one for each of the the moon Venus Mercury Sun Mars Jupiter and Saturn um, these um, these spheres live by uh, demonic and Tyranna, uh, were, were, were controlled by tyrannical entities called the Archons and they believe they uh, and beyond them lies paradise which um, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is beyond those um, and in paradise the sphere is divided into 12 different symbols which you know often as the 12 zodiacs. Yeah. Well, the idea of the... Actually, th this is not something that's unique to the Gnostics, but it is believed by the Gnostics 
the the twelve tribes in the in the is often looked at upon as representing the the twelve zodiacs um, in in symbol. Uh, I've come across this the other day as well. Even today, people look at the twelve tribes as being representative of the twelve zodiacs. That the Bible itself is not a a history; it's an explaining of something that's happening in the stars. And the 12 tribes are the 12 zodiacs, according to that, that, that way of thinking. Um, it's very esoteric, um, mystic, I guess you might call, way of thinking. Um, it's very not, it seems foreign to a lot of us because we're very much history-based, very scientific, touch it, feel it. This way of thinking would be more, more, we would call mystical or, or, or ethereal uh, way of thinking, um, which is not uncommon to many parts of the world. Um, I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying that's what they would believe. You know, it's more of this kind of stuff. Um, and, and we do have books that you can read if you want to read some some Gnostic gospels. Uh, like read the Gospel of Thomas. It's a Gnostic piece of work. Um, it's most notably because it's got like things like Jesus when he's 12-year-old healing a bird and fixing a chair leg and, and doing other stuff like that. But it's, it's a Gnostic piece of work. The Gospel of Philip, the Gospel of Judas. Um, they actually gained notoriety not too long ago because that uh, Da Vinci Code, you know, Stigmata, the movie Stigmata, um, which was kind of old now, but still pretty popular. Um, Demons and angels. Um, One thing we see when we look at Gnosis group is that their secret knowledge was not based on reflection or by scientific inquiry or proof, but by secret revelation. It was derived by, um, you know, this, you know, God revealed to me. That's what, very leery when someone comes to me, well, God told me this. Because uh, if it doesn't line up with the Bible, God didn't tell you. But, um, so I'm very leery, I, I hear that from you. Well, God told me this. Well, let's, let's, okay, let's evaluate what he told you. <laughs> um, but this is, you know, it is all a revelation-based religion. You know, there's this secret knowledge. Um, and, um, yeah. Well, um, why I'm talking about this is because it was so important.
important, it was such an integral part of the, the, the discussions that we, we, you know, that they were arguing against. This is something that was very real, very taught about. Um, so I'm teaching it like I'm going, when we get to other religions, I'm going to teach about some of them too. Like I just did, we, we did a segment on the Jehovah Witnesses. Um, I, you know, so I'm teaching on some of this stuff. It is uh, very much uh, something that uh, they would have been very dealt with. And, and we read our scriptures, we, we, we see some of these things come into play, like in the book of Colossians, where they were dealing with some of these issues. Uh, maybe in the early forms, but they were dealing with some of these issues. Um, and I think it's important that we, we, we see that as we... Um, as we, we look around us today and you hear someone talking, this stuff is very much alive today. It's not something that was just back then and died. Yes, it was at its height as a group of religion in about 150 AD. But it's not dead. It's still around and alive and, and very much real. In this kind of way of thinking. Actually, I saw a movie... Uh, I remember in college, I was watching a movie, and I said, hey, that's Gnosticism. What was that movie called? Pleasantville. I don't know if any of you guys ever see it. Pleasantville. Um, it was a movie where they get transported into a, a TV show called Pleasantville. I'm not going to give away all the secrets, but uh, black, they go into black and white, and to become colored, they have to break away from their... And, and there's even the symbol of the apple there. And the, I mean, it's, it was a Gnostic piece of work. And that one came out in 2006. I don't know when it came out. Let me... Okay, 98. 1998. I remember I watching it when I was in college, um, and it was very much a, uh, a Gnostic, I mean, it was Gnosticism, um, and I remember thinking, as I, cause I, I, I didn't watch it in the 90s, I watched it when I was in college, which was, and I remember watching it and thinking, this is Gnosticism, um, and, and so it's very much something that's alive, uh, and I think it's, you know, Yes, we can't know all the different types of falseness out there. We need to know ours better than anything. But um, um, Well, he was crucified. But remember, he wasn't about a savior. He was a knowledge bringer. To to them, yes. Um, It was about... He's he wasn't he's not seen as savior. He's seen as knowledge bringer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he doesn't need to die on the cross for them. Remember, it's not his blood that saves them. It's the knowledge that releases them into the the. Um, it's not this secret knowledge that releases them. To be to join this, um, 
Irenaeus and Polycarp um, have quite, if you read the church historians, Irenaeus and Polycarp, they deal quite a bit with these people and their way of thinking because it's a very real challenge to the Christian church. I know for some of us we're thinking, well, that's crazy. That makes no, you know, but it was, I mean, but if you go read their writings, it's a very real challenge that they are dealing with every day as the Greek philosophy is being introduced into the Christian faith and they're finding this secret knowledge very real. And, uh, you know, and so it's something that's very real to them. Um, and it's very, um, um, it, so it was very much a challenge. Um, um, The um, this this way of thinking uh, led to um, will eventually lead to like solidifying like what do we mean when we talk about Jesus and like the Nicene Creed, which we'll get to uh, eventually. Um, most of you have probably at least seen the Nicene Creed or heard of it. But maybe not, and that's okay too. Um, we'll get to it. Um, I'll actually hand it out when we get to it. Um, the Nicene Creed, you know, we'll get to because of these kind of things are coming. Around. How do we? What do we mean when we mean Jesus? What are we talking about? As what do we talk about the Holy Spirit, which will come about later on after the Nicene Creed? It will be added to the Nicene Creed about four twenty-five. But um, anyways, um, so you know. Um, Um, groups like, uh, well, like teachers like Marcion, um, which will have um, one of the most influential uh, voices in the Roman Church. He is a um, um, he's a Gnostic, and his Gnosticism actually grew. The reason he said Gnosticism is because he hates Jews. He believes Judaism is evil, therefore he hates Jews and scriptures and Jehovah described by them in the Old Testament. So therefore, that demiurge is bad. Um, and this is something that Marcion has a very large uh, faith in their belief. Um, and uh, he will found his own church um, in Rome. And it will be a, a live church that, you know, a branch of, and the, the Jewish people would see it as a branch of Christianity because it was a Christian Gnostic faith. And it was, they would have seen it as a branch of, Gnostic, of Christianity. Kind of just like we, like many of you would say, well, Mormonism, that's not Christian, right? Well, according to the textbooks, it is even though it's so far out there, so different from the rest of Christianity, we're like, no, it's not. <laughs> but according to the textbooks, it is, because it's, it would fit under the religious garb of Christianity. And they would see, like Marcion, who was a Gnostic, his church, um, and he'll actually form a, a new canon of Scripture. Actually, um, he will actually lead to one of the reasons why we start formulating these, um, like, what is the New Testament, what is the Old Testament, stuff like that, because 
he forms his own, you know, this is what we, you know, these are the books we use. And so they have to say, well, what, you know, why do we not use that book too? Or what about that book and stuff like that? And so actually, um, so they, you know, we can, um, And their way of thinking, Gnosticism, Manichaeism, uh, we'll talk about Manichaeism uh, next week, um, will appear again in the 7th century um, in south of France. Because it's going to keep, these kind of things are going to keep coming up, keep coming up, keep coming up. And, um, and so we're, we're going to see that. Um, I think it's important that we are aware of these things. Um, like I said, we'll talk about Manichaeism next week. I don't have time to get through that today. Um, it's important that we look at these things and we're aware of these things because they are still very relevant today. They, when you hear these things, you see these things very much. I mean, you know, uh, like I said, I'm on YouTube and TikTok and all that stuff. I watch this stuff because I want to know what's being being said because that's part of my job, right? Because, um, and I see this stuff still today. And it's very much, um, very much around. Um, so pay attention that Gnosticism, um, um, when you hear that secret knowledge, the serpent being the hero, um, the God of the Old Testament being an evil God, and Jesus being a good God, that's all Gnosticism. Um, that's been around uh, for Christianity for a long time. So, um, anyways, so our code, we can't know all the, all the, the mis-teachings. We can't know them. We just have to know ours so well that we can recognize anything that's not it. But what we can do is we can also say, okay, well, I recognize this as something else. What is it? And, and, uh, um, and uh, Gnosticism. And it will play an important part of church history. If we're going to study church history, we have to study some of these, these things because they, this, will play a, this will come up again. You will see the same kind of teaching again. Um, just like Manichaeism, we're going to see again. And like I said, in the seventh, Neoplatism, we're going to see again. Um, I'm going to bring up some big words here uh, next week. You know, um, Monarchianism and Montanism and all these fun things that um, uh, Manichaeism does. These are all the titles. They give some titles. <laughs> but in truth, this would be like uh, name. You know, these are the people's names. So they just sound weird to us because we don't use the same names. Um, all right. We're out of time. Do we have any questions, comments, concerns? Well, because they do have Christ. It's just not the same Christ you believe in.
it's a syncretism with Greek philosophy and with the Christian faith. So it joins the two together. So you have to take out some things to make it um, fit. And I know it sounds weird to you, but it's not that weird. This is really quite common. Um, you know, like even Buddhism, for example. You can be a Buddhist Christian, but you can't be a Christian Buddhist. Um, so, you know, if you're a Buddhist, you can be a Christian all you want. You just, you're a Buddhist first. Um, you can be a Buddhist atheist. You can be a Buddhist Wicca. But you can't be an atheist Buddhist, or you can't be a... <laughs> Um, and so they see themselves as a, part, a Christian group, just the, the true Christian group because they have the secret knowledge. That's right. They have that secret element holding them because they are the secret. They have the secret knowledge that's holding them together, and so they can, you know. No, no, and anywhere they, it isn't available to everyone, and a lot of times they're not even written down, it's oral teachings by whoever's leading them. Um, and even, and we see, we see this today like uh, Freemasons, um, like uh, the Kentucky Monitor is a Freemason book, but if you ask a Freemason about it, they'll say, no, it's not. But I've been assured by a Freemason who who wasn't supposed to tell me some things that it is. Because <laughs> um, I have friends. Um, but, but it allows them to have this, this secret knowledge and the secretness that, that, um, that you're not privy to. All right, next week... Uh, some more heresies, and I'm going to emphasize these are heresies, which means they will be rid out by the church as heresies. But um, we're going to talk about them because they are going to come up again. Um, anyways, anything else? All right, let's pray and be dismissed. Father God, we praise you. We thank you for this wonderful blessing. We pray that we, as we come up against heresies all the time, we, we may not recognize them when we see them um, in our movies, our TVs, our songs, our um, radio programs, the people we talk to. Lord, I pray that you would reveal those heresies to us, that we may see your truth and, and where things differ. Um, not let us be be stuck in the mud and caught up just because, but, but know who you are and see what other people are teaching all around us. Let it open our eyes so that we may see the world for what it is. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.